Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on, it's actually January the 3rd, 2012. For newcomers, as always, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and you'll find a, a host of thousands, actually, of audios for download, free download, where hopefully, if you can, if you have it in you, you can wade through so much material information about this so-called New World Order, which isn't new at all. And you'll find out the big players, the organizations, the thousands of organizations that work together to make it all happen, all the way from your educational systems, even kindergarten, uh, from the United Nations through uh, foundations, NGOs, just countless, countless organizations all working together on a global plan uh, for a new type of uh, society, an ordered society post-democratic. And I give you the, the, the planners from a long time ago, and the money boys that help to finance it all, and of course profit from it too at the same time, and how it's all playing out today. You're living through the big changes, and they actually call this the era of change. So uh, get used to it, but at least find out what's happening and why you're changing and why you're adapting to it as well. Uh, so remember, go into cuttingthroughmeters.com and uh, help yourself. And also, too, all the sites listed there have transcripts in English for a lot of the talks I've given if you want to print them up and go into alanwatsentinel.eu if you want transcripts in other languages. Number two, you are the audience that bring me to you, and you can help me get by by uh, buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com and, and donating as well. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal check. Some people just send cash. Uh, you can use PayPal to order, and um, an international postal money order from your post office is good enough, too, to come here. So the same price as an ordinary postal order, but you've got to say international when you order it. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. So you'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthemidish.com. And I try to say just, just to chronicle the events as we go through things and explain why we go through things, why we adapt and basically I describe human nature, which is so so well understood by the big boys themselves as they treat us as the mass man, basically. This old concept from the old industrial era of mass production. You're the mass man, and what works for one man generally will work for another, and the same with women as well. Uh, Bernays knew these techniques, worked them to the full, and it's worked so successfully. And really, we are a composite uh, today of the big thinkers and players that created the 20th century and they created the cultures as well as they broke apart the old cultures that held us together. So we're in flux in a sense. When you're in flux, when you have no traditions to hang on to, you're in constant movement and you follow the leaders who are well supplied to you through all, all, all the media, movies, uh, etc., your favorite stars on television. That's what they do. And you copy them and follow them, emulate them, even their speech. And whatever they do, you will do as well. You're not free at all. You're really under a form of mind control or perception management. I've gone through a lot of this perception management too. And the big boys who, who help bring this in across society. All the media uses it. Uh, all entertainment uses it as well. 
all the newscasters use it because they all belong to the same organization, basically, Council on Foreign Relations. So you're getting the same messages, many of them not quite subliminal, they're above subliminal, most of them, uh, but so you start to part them yourselves. They can't all be wrong, can they? Therefore, it must be me that's wrong in my thinking. And so you adapt to theirs instead. Very simple technique. And most folk will give up their own individual thought patterns, conclusions to go along with the majority. It happens all the time. Young people are more susceptible because they have peer pressure. They want to be accepted by their group, really. They haven't really found individuality yet. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and talking about perception management and how everything is perception management, and how we're really trained generation by generation, and by that I don't mean 70 years, I mean literally uh, the system is upgraded uh, into what you'll be taught, or what you'll experience 30 years down the road when you go into kindergarten today, and they upgrade it every year pretty well, and the, the next 100 years has already worked out, maybe 200 years in fact, of the kind of citizens they want to have, what they believe, what their behaviours will be, and what they'll accept, and, and in other words, new normals and uh, it'll all be approved by the state. And the state will also tell them what to disapprove of as well. And uh, it's already happening today, very, very swiftly, as folk adapt and adapt and adapt. They can't really think for themselves. Why should they? Because the media is doing it all for them. And uh, that's what Brzezinski said 30-odd years ago in his own book, Between Two Ages. So that's happened. And we're also being taught to believe in experts all the time, Statistics abound, and we don't have any means of checking them ourselves, of course, or even doing experiments to find out what we read is true. But you see, a long time ago, back in the 20th century, era 20th century, the big players like Bertrand Russell and others said that science would, uh, and scientists would take over the positions, not only of the old priesthoods of religions, but also the takeover uh, from politicians eventually. That also comes under technocracy, and we have a lot of that today. Uh, right down to having people appointing themselves to your town councils even uh, under the guise of experts on the environment. They're there to take care of the environment. It's just put themselves on the board and you don't elect them. Uh, you, still, you can get rid of them too if you know what's going on, but most folk don't, so they, they allow them to stay. But anyway, this article here is about statistics and the cons that go on within science itself, because we're so well trained, we just believe what they tell us, you see. As I say, it's, it's, it's so convoluted, whatever they, they give to you, you have no way to check on it, so you've got to take their word for it. And this article here is about a guy who got away with mass fraud by saying, trust me, it's science. And it says, um, when news broke this year that Diederik Stapel, a prominent Dutch social psychologist, was faking his results on dozens of experiments, the fallout was swift, brutal, and global. Science and nature, the world's top chroniclers of science, were forced to retract papers that received wide popular attention, including one that seemed to link messiness with racism because disordered contexts such as litter or a broken-up sidewalk and an abandoned bicycle indeed promote stereotyping and discrimination. As a result, some of Professor Stipple's junior colleagues lost their entire publication output 
at Tilburg University, launched a criminal fraud case, and Professor Staple returned his PhD and sought mental health care and the entire field of social psychology in which human behavior statistically analyzed fell under a pall of suspicion. This is one of the great unanswered questions about the Staple affair, however, is how he got away with such blatant number fudging, especially in a discipline that claims to be chock full of intellectual safeguards from peer review to replication by competitive colleagues. How can uh, proper science go so wrong? Well, actually, it's not unusual. You see it all across the board now. And look at all the fudge statistics from the the political organization that call themselves scientists to do with the climate change stuff. Same thing. The answer, according to a growing number of statistical skeptics, is that without release of raw data and methodology, this kind of research amounts to little more than, trust me, uh, it's science, in which intentional fraud and unintentional bias remain hidden behind the numbers. Only illusion of uh, significance remains. S. Stanley Young and Alan Carr of the U.S. National Institute of Statistical Sciences, for example, point to several shocking published claims that were not borne out by the data on which they were based, including coffee as a cause of pancreatic cancer, type A personality causing heart attacks, and eating breakfast cereal increasing the odds that a woman will give birth to a boy. This more startling, the more startling the claim, the better they wrote in a recent issue of the journal Significance. These results are published in peer-reviewed journals and frequently make new headlines as well. This, this seems solid. They're based on observation, on scientific method, and on statistics, but something is going wrong. There's not enough evidence to say what many have long thought. But any claim coming from an observational study is most likely to be wrong, wrong in the sense it will not replicate if tested rigorously. Uh, Victor Ivry, a University of Toronto math professor, described the problem similarly on his blog. He says, while theoretical statistics is mainly a decent, albeit rather boring, mathematical discipline, probability theory is much more exciting. So-called applied statistics is in its big part a whore. Finding dependence, true or false, opens exciting financing opportunities, and since the true dependence is a rare commodity, many scientists investigate the false ones. If jumping to wrong conclusions brings a scorn of colleagues and a shame, they will be cautious. But this doesn't happen these days, Professor Every said in an email. Finding that eating cereal does not affect your cardio, for example, brings neither fame nor money. But discovering that there is some connection allows you to apply for a grant to investigate this dependency. They'll live on grants, you see. Science at its most basic is an effort to prove new ideas wrong. The more startling the idea, the stronger the urge to disprove it, as was illustrated when European physicists last month seemed to have seen particles travel, travel faster than light, which has prompted a massive effort to replicate or more likely debunk such a shocking result. Although science properly gets credit for discovery and progress, falsifiable hypotheses are its true currency, and when scientists fail to disprove a false hypothesis, they are left with a false positive Technically known as the incorrect rejection of the null hypothesis, a false positive is perhaps the most costly error a scientist can make, according to a trio of leading American researchers who this fall published false positive psychology, undisclosed flexibility, and data collection and analysis allows present, presenting anything as significant. So, with all that fancy terminology, basically what they're really saying is that they're going into with a bias 
uh, and there was a pre-conclusion, uh, and, and they tried to prove their pre-conclusion, uh, especially when you can get grant money to go ahead with it. And, and there's no one else really doing the same tests, so they don't bother checking on it, and it's published by peer reviews, and up it goes on the billboard. But it's even better, as I say, when it's to do with climate science, and there's a lot of cash involved, and a political agenda at the same time. But we're, we're taught, it must be true, or statistics, you know. You can't, you can't disprove statistics. That's what they tell you. Because you see, we live in a materialistic society. And the more materialistic we become, the more we depend on data, what we think is raw data, uh, disprovable data, or is, is there. And of course, even in tech, uh, uh, the technotronic society and techniques and, and other branches of the same organization, in fact, they talked about algorithms and how they could break all nature and all behavior down to algorithms. And they're actually using that in the RAND Corporation for all governments. They, they use us as the data and they feed us through as algorithms. And that, all those algorithms, that's you there. You see, you're predictable, basically, because all these numbers. And that's how we're, we're put down to. It's, it's amazing what we go through in, in life when you look back through the sciences and and we go from one religion to the next, to the to religion of science. And like all other religions, science says, we're, you know, we're the real one because we've got all the data to prove it. And then they do a bunch of sums and equations and, uh, and all that, and a lot of scribbling and stuff. Look awfully important, get lots of money, and, uh, and we tend to believe them for a while. But uh, unfortunately, at least in other religions, they give you a bit of spiritual food. Whereas in science, they try to bring you down to the lowest common denominator and say that you're an amoeba that crawled out the mud and they can do what they want with you. And we believe them too. We allow them to do that as well. You're just another animal, you see. I mean, that's taught in eugenics. You're just another animal. We can do with them what we, what we please to do with them, especially since we're the most evolved ones at the top. You understand what happens when you throw out the old religions, your fair game, <laughs> your fair game for the top predators to do as they wish. And you ain't seen nothing yet. They're just getting started. Now, China, China's greatest threat is internal, apparently. And uh, China's claiming uh, in two articles I have here, one is from the CFR, uh, that the West is using uh, cultural wars against China. Now, Communist countries understand cultural wars because it was the communists within America uh, through Hollywood and various organizations and television that were really pushing the communist liberalism, as, as they called it in the West, uh, to destroy the culture, to bring in a new type of culture. The, the old man, woman, stuff, family had to get go altogether and you had to get all the youngsters separated from the, from the older population and make them believe that they're actually guiding their own path and, and, and you know, on the cutting edge of my generation so that they could destroy them ever going back to having a wife, uh, husband and family. So they understand wars very well, cultural wars, and they're blaming the West for trying to interfere with the Chinese version of communism and trying to force on them the Fabian Western type of socialist communism, which we're under here, if, if you don't know it, you see. We're actually under it here. So anyway, it says China's greatest threat is internal. Uh, Mr. Haas, of course, who's the, the current president of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, the only organization that, that, that literally is an advisor to every government on the planet, uh, really, uh, again, a private organization set up by the bankers long ago, 
But he goes on about the other parts of it too, to do with the internal problems of China, how they're keeping their currency artificially low so that people will keep buying their mass goods. And at the same time, the, there's, there's trouble within China now with the incredible, incredible uh, gap between the, the rich and the very, very poor. It's just astronomical now. But that, that's what it comes when you bring in this, this form of what you think is capitalism. Uh, you get a, a tiny group of multi-trillionaires eventually and masses of poor around them and prostitution and drugs. Just like the West. You see, we're already finished. It's already happened here. Because it's a technique, it's a technique of rule for those who've been around for thousands of years who know how to do it. So I'll put this link up tonight from Mr. Haas. And Mr. Haas, too, remember that link I put up last week, uh, also commented on the Middle East and other countries around the Middle East as well, including Iran, to do with uh, this war, he said, will go on for another at least three decades. Three decades. That also means three decades of anti-terrorism, and more laws passed until we're, what will we be then? This is Perpetual War. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about China as an example uh, really having internal problems, but also they're trying to fight out or, or fight back against what they see as Western uh, encroachments on their socialist system, their Chinese socialism, by using Western socialism. That's what we live in under today, for those who don't know. It doesn't matter what party's in, it's all the same, you see. Same boys are actually in behind it. So it says, uh, this article here, it says, China's president, uh, Hu Jintao, it says, has a chat with Obama. And it says, in, in the East Wing, it says, of uh, the White House. I guess that means, with the East Wing is mentioned, it's always like they're meeting as Masons. You know, the sun comes up and all that. The West is using cultural means to divide China, which needs to be alert to the threat, President uh, Hu Jintao said in a Communist Party magazine. International forces are trying to westernize and divide us by using ideology and culture. That's just how we were destroyed back here by the same group, actually. Hu wrote an article in Kushi. We need to realize this and be alert to the danger. Many countries, especially Western powers, are attempting to expand their influence through cultural hegemony, and China must deepen and promote its own values of socialism with Chinese characteristics. Hugh wrote in the article, which was published on the government's website January 1st, China needs to strengthen its cultural values as it faces possible challenges from the West. His comments are part of a wider push by the party to reassert its influence over Chinese culture and society, including in, in uh, arts, uh, television and the arts. Uh, see how that's what we happened here too, television, the arts, education and so on. China's leaders are grappling with the best way to manage Twitter-like social media sites such as, uh, it's called Sina Corporation, something like Sina, uh, and Weibo service, Weibo service that are hard for government censors to control. Nothing's hard for them to control. The Communist Party's Central Committee said it will supervise the world's biggest online community more closely, promote constructive websites, and punish the spread of harmful information, according to a communique from its October 15th, 18th marketing or meeting on release by the official Xinhua News Agency. Members of the party's Politburo visited web companies after a deadly train crash in July. Internet users criticized the government's handling of the crash and spread commentary and photos of the accident at odds with the official line. 
So in other words, they like to still censor a lot of stuff there. We have it censored and we're given other stuff to replace it. So you don't really know it's being censored. So we're, we're, we're cleverer here. They're still old fashioned there. They do it, you know, straight, straight, very straight fashion. We were much more sophisticated in the West because we've been at it for such a long time. Now, you hear all this stuff about drugs and just today I was reading about different drug effects on the front parts of the brain for chronic, uh, uh, weed users for instance, and they find it's actually they have smaller parts in the front parts of their brain when they're offspring even, so it affects the, that's an old study really too is they keep doing it and come up with the same findings, the ventricles also and the brain expand so it, it affects long term use on the brain itself But uh, and we always see how the US is, is pretending to fight all the drugs and stuff like that coming in from Canada and a lot of it's true, I mean a lot of it is coming from Canada and it says, Vancouver Health Body begins a free crack pipe program for addicts. We're much more socialist in Canada. We, we treat our addicts better after getting them addicted. And it says that Hugh Lampkin, president of the Vancouver Area of Network Drug Users, shows one of the 60,000 crack smoking kits that would be distributed at five sites throughout Vancouver's downtown east side to help re- reduce the, the spread of the disease. Now, see, the Chinese aren't really that daft or crazy about what they're saying. Uh, they're talking about culture. This is, this is Canadian culture now, you see, at least in that west, the west side uh, of Canada. And just a few years ago, they were teaching children at school by the age of five to eight how to safely inject heroin on the premise that probably they'll be using it down the road. They're getting taught this in school. So now they go, you're giving out crack smoking kits. And, um, and of course, it would be quite easy for the cops to stop the stuff coming in in the first place if that was a mandate, but it's not. Remember, Drugs 2 was mentioned by Huxley and also by Bertrand Russell and many, many others as a form of bringing down society at this particular phase because then he helped plan it, this phase we're living through today. And so it's being used. So regular pharmas involved, they've got half the population of three-quarters of it drugged already. And, of course, the illegal side is all run by the same big boys as well. And as long as you're drugged on something, it doesn't really matter what it is. So here they are, they're helping them, giving them free pipes for, for Christmas. You know, they're, they still believe in some kind of Christmas here. Well, I can't say Christmas, a happy holiday pipe, I guess. Anyway, and Scotland too, Scotland's been hammered. I remember long ago in Scotland, uh, when the CFR came over, uh, to do their, their world meeting, it was at the time, uh, with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, to decide who would give the world its culture. And they decided at that meeting that America was better equipped, Hollywood had the, the techniques, and they would be given the job of creating a world culture along with the American music industry. Uh, and um, they also mentioned at the same meeting, and it was in the papers at the time, that Scotland would be turned into a tourist area. You know, we'd be sitting selling beads at the side of the road, probably a Chinese uh, businessman, I guess. Uh, that's how far ahead they plan things. But in other words, they were going to close down all factories and the mines and leave them with pretty well nothing except making beads and making rugs and, you know, uh, like model little places you go and visit on holiday. Uh, here's a peasant, Scott, making a, weaving a rug, you know, and he's a peasant making beads and stuff like that. And it's pretty well gone that way. It's just 400 Scots a week uh, to face being insolvent this year because they don't replace anything when they take anything out. They're way ahead of, of the U.S. and NAFTA uh, uh, losing all their factories through the World Trade Organization. Way ahead. More than 400 Scots per week will become insolvent this year as the economy fails to show signs of recovery from the downturn, a leading accountancy firm, firm has warned. I tell you, tourists too, tour, the whole tourism trade is way down as well, you see. And they count on that. 
this is pretty well all they got and making booze for the few big boys, the foreigners that own the whiskey companies. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix and just mentioning how Scotland uh, truly indeed was put into a tourist industry, mate, basically. And uh, it says PKF has estimated that more than 20,000 people will have been sequ- uh, sequestrated, they call it the Scottish legal term for personal bankruptcy, or will have taken out a protected trust deed at the end of 2011. So it just shows you that uh, this is across the whole world and some countries are more ahead of others. As we go through all these changes, these transitions actually, that's the official name for this phase, it's called world transitions, right down to your local level, as you bring in communitarianism, uh, you bring in private agencies and charities to help uh, and do the social work services, etc. That's all happening now too, and your whole mode of thinking is supposed to change with it too, you're being taught how you think locally, etc. So... It's just amazing. Now, in Australia, we know they're really going to be the world leader for carbon taxes and all that kind of thing. And now they're getting hit with their turn for electric prices to go surging up. Maurice Strong mentioned this, by the way, in the early 90s when he came to Canada back from the United Nations to privatize Ontario Hydro. And he did it. He did that. Anyway, found out later he was getting two paychecks, one from Ontario government, one from the United Nations. Uh, but anyway, he did privatize it. And he said in the mainstream then, he says the world we're bringing in will be one of, uh, of where, where electricity will be rationed out to those who need it. And eventually he says we shall have to figure ways of getting the, most of the electricity to those who still produce and big corporations, etc. So it was, what we're living to, uh, through today worldwide, it was planned a long time ago. And Maurice Strong is, was in charge of the Rio Summit. He'll be in charge of this year's Rio Summit too. That's the big one that brought you Agenda 21, the Millennium Project, all the things you're hearing about now, which they're actually implementing. A lot of it is already implemented and, and so on. Anyway, it says Victorians need to urgently educate themselves about the looming surge in electricity prices this year or face bills so high many will struggle to pay them. The chief of an energy price comparison service says power use surged yesterday. They talk about the temperatures and fucking using air conditioning. It says, um, this new system that they've got now, just like Canada, much of this increase was on in the charge to consumers for simply being connected to the grid. So you're, you're paying for just being connected. Assistant, uh, users will now pay more regardless of whether they cut their power use or not. And that's the world you're going into. Canada's the same. Ontario's going up about eight, eight, uh, fold actually over the next four years. They've told us that from the company themselves. The new tax, and this is a, they've got new, new carbon tax as well. The new tax combined with mandatory renewable energy targets and chronic, uh, underinvestment by power companies and infrastructure will cause prices to rise further across Australia. We're looking at the doubling of the cost of power in five years time. Mr. Frowned said, I guess that's close to Freud, it was frowned. Anyway, uh, we're, it's gonna be a lot more than double, believe you me, because it's gonna be more than double in Ontario. And, uh, across the world too. So they're really moving now. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what you, when you're told what you look at by mainstream media, don't look at it. Because believe you me, there's something bigger happening all around you. Lots of things. Lots of things. 
I've mentioned this article before, but here it is again. As they're back again, uh, United Nations is taking over city councils across America. And it's a video. Uh, people can watch this and see for themselves the organization that's actually work It's a private organization working for the United Nations that have put themselves on every board, every city, and even local council across the country, across Canada as well. And nothing can get passed anywhere for land use or anything without their permission. And what they say goes, goes. So, uh, as I say, it's just astonishing. You are post-democratic. In fact, you never really had it. But it's a nice idea at the time. It kept us all dizzy and happy. But we never really had democracy. But now there's no, you know, it's not even a pretense of democracy now. So, so like the Club of Rome said, you're post-democratic, but you're post-consumer. And you're now into austerity. So these guys plan well, and they never, as Albert Pike says, bring off a, or, or, or start a premature revolution. This is part of a revolution, you understand, from the masters of revolutions. Again, in Australia, two banks and building societies have repossessed 22.5% more homes than in 2010, uh, with Western Sydney and big regional centres in New South Wales' hardest hit. They just asked the New South Wales Supreme Court to issue 2,466 writs of possession against borrowers in default in the 10 months to November last year. The number of writs issued in the same period of 2010 was 2,143, so it's up to 2,466. So everything's going to stay like that for a long time as we go down the tubes into the new system. Or transition is, is, is again, they say it's, it's transitioning. And another organization that's been put into place through the United Nations is called Natural England. I'll put links up for all these articles tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Natural England seems to be everywhere. Again, private company. And they are, they've got permission to use enforcement of all environmental laws. And their website says enforcement is used as a last resort, but sometimes necessary to ensure the natural environment is protected. We aim to use enforcement in a consistent and proportionate manner that is targeted at illegal activities that have the greatest impact on wildlife, geology, and landscapes. And you should see the size of this site and all their pages. So he's this private group again. This is how you're trained. It's a new feudal system. And the private guys all pretend they're wonderful communists and people who are taking care of the planet because you're just too irresponsible to do it yourselves. And, of course, they've got bosses above them. They end up getting the land and they get drilling rights and everything else there and, and mineral rights on them. The breakup of the countries. Now, Lenin talked about eventually uh, that this nation-state would wither away. It would wither away. We've seen it in, in Europe when Rompuy stood up and says that the sovereign state is now gone. And nobody hiccuped. Because they don't know, they can't remember Lenin saying much the same thing, you see. They can't relate things one to another unless you teach them it. And no one's been taught it for a long time. But anyway, Sir Gus O'Donnell in Britain, as the most senior civil servant, said the UK now faces a breakup. Now that was how it was to work in those countries that wouldn't quite toe the line. And Scotland's talking about joining Norway under a Scandinavian uh, group and, uh, and things like that. So it says, um, Sir uh, Gus O'Donnell is Britain's most civil, civil servant. And he says, right in the Telegraph, Sir Gus asks whether the Union can survive increasing pressure for Scottish independence. It's not really Scottish independence. Scotland's got a group in there that uh, would, would do, uh, you know, uh, actually, Lenin would love them 
Lenin would love them, but they're totally Marxist in a, in a sense. Some of them aren't Scottish whatsoever, but it, but it doesn't matter. People think they are. It's just uh, Sir Gus, who's the head of more than 440,000 civil servants in England, Scotland, and Wales, says the future of the union is one of several enormous challenges facing the political establishment in the coming years. Now remember, remember too, that England's already uh, given, uh, that they're merging parts of England with France, French companies or corporations. They've already bought the rights to whole areas from seaports right through inland, and you can see how it's happening there too. So the nation state is to wither away one way or another, and they do always. Uh, John Pilger talks about what's happening in India right now. Quite interesting article, and he talks about the first signs of an Indian spring as peasants are revolting uh, about the, because now the money's pouring in, uh, all funneled through the World Trade Organization, the IMF, etc., as they are slated to come up with all our tax money, and it's going into the hands of the, of the profiteers, the guys who will be the new upper, very upper class, uh, and the rest of them get awfully poor. So he's talking about what's happening uh, there. And uh, just the same old stuff's happened elsewhere. Also in India, too, a little girl was killed in a ritual sacrifice to ensure better crops. And part of it is due to the fact that the Rothschilds have been actually buying up all the farms after they, they uh, decimated the farms and the land and bought the farms up for pennies. Thousands and thousands of farmers committed suicide because they now had to buy uh, the Rothschild Company's uh, um, GM group. They have their own GM seed group. And, um, and the chemicals that go with it. So the farmers were killing themselves, and Royal Charles bought up a good part of India. But now they're sacrificing people to make things grow again. So uh, it's, it's rather sad what's happening across the globe right now. Now, NATO forces are to attend a drill in Israel. I didn't know Israel was part of NATO. Uh, I don't think it is. But anyway... This is the excuse they're giving us for them being over there. It says, organizations, search and rescue units, emergency services to take part for the first time in home front command drill simulating a massive earthquake. That's the, that's the reasons we're given for it. It says, they're scheduled to participate for the first time in a home front drill be held in Israel next October. In recent uh, years, the IDF took part in several exercises held by the North Atlantic Treaty Organization abroad, but has never hosted its members in Israel. The drill, dubbed Turning Point 6, we'll tell you a lot of deciphering there, will simulate a massive earthquake leading to widespread destruction and large amounts of casualties. NATO search and rescue units as well as supporting units will arrive in Israel to take part in the drill. Now, NATO, remember, is a military wing of the United Nations. They were the guys who went in and bombed Libya. They're not really uh, known for helping in earthquakes and things. They might cause a few, but not, not for helping afterwards. So I'll put this article up tonight, too. And also, before I go to the callers, I want to mention this. There's a bunch of PDFs I'm going to put up, too. And they're from the Council on Foreign Relations or the United Nations. Once, for those who think the Kyoto Protocol is dead and they lost everything at the Durban meeting, you better read this one here because there's one here, land use, land use, change and forestry. They've gone for the whole kit and caboodle right down to your private little garden round about you. I'll put that one up for you there tonight. And you can see that they lost nothing. No, they, they told you that, but there's actually a con to get all this through so as you would object. Another one is called um, United Nations Framework Conventions on Climate Change. They came out of it as well. And it's the report to the conference of the parties serving as a meeting of the parties to the Kyoto Protocol 
in its first session at Montreal, etc. That, that was goes back to, 19, to 2005 to show you um, how far they've come from then to the present. Uh, that's quite a good one as well. And then there's also this one here. It's World Development Report. Very interesting study for the United Nations again, showing you that step by step by the Fabian style, with their fingers and a thousand pies across the world, uh, they're pulling it all off. Everything's working. And how they actually communicate to each other, make sure that all media is on board with them, get the right propaganda out en masse. And never change your story. Always say the same story, etc., etc. How your minds are shaped. Also, one for United Nations Global Compact, the policy for the communication on progress. And another one here is the, but the land use again. Uh, land use, land use change in the forestry and a different a, a version of it as well. So I'll put all of that up tonight and you can have a little peek for those who are serious about learning what's going on as apart from who you're supposed to vote for. Because that changes nothing at all. Never has a societal show. Because all these laws and treaties are put into law immediately by presidents, and uh, you simply follow them. It's also taught in schools right away. Uh, it doesn't matter who's in power. So that's how the world's changed. Now, we'll go to the callers now, and there's Carlton from New York on the line there. You there, Carlton? How you doing, Mr. Watt? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Yeah. Um, I just want to say I did get um book in the mail. Thank you for that, and thank you for letting me know about my email too. Um, yes. I was gonna ask you something about. Well, I was just you were just talking about um basically perception management, mm-hmm. and I was talking to somebody yesterday about you know just some issues and. He was talking about Obama and he was an Obama supporter. But I was just trying to point certain things out to him, of course, like, you know, it's not really him that's doing it. It's just his name. He's the front man. He understood all of that. But then he hit me with the phrase. He actually said to me, he's like, I watch CNBC. I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> that one, like, just, just, I just had to stop and just laugh because I was like, okay. Yeah. You can go ahead and <laughs> keep believing that, but um, I wanted to ask you about this because there's a guy that actually came out. He's written a few books about um, like cures that they don't want you to know about. Doing Kevin Trudeau, have you ever heard of? Him? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, like a big infomercial book. Mm-hmm. Well, he came out with this whole thing called the Global Information Network, mm-hmm. and. I would say, like, the main underlying thing that is really pushing is somewhat of the, um, the, um, um, what is it? You think about it and it happens, like, what is it called again? You're talking about trends and, and memes and things? Like, like, you just think positive about something and then... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new age stuff, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. But now, I just gotta ask you this question. Do you think there's some truth to it? Because just me thinking about, like, just the fact that I'm starting to become more aware of certain things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More people and more just information is just starting to flow to me. Now, mm-hmm. maybe it's because I'm more aware of it, yes, but law of attraction, yes, that's what it's called. Uh-huh. Um, but 
And I don't believe that he had to sit and think about a Ferrari that can put pictures up on the wall that's going to happen. No, you got to put some work in to actually make it manifest. But yeah. like, yeah. what is what is what is your your thoughts on that? Like, just not even really saying that that's really the the whole the, the whole crux of it, but just mm-hmm. you coming into something or being more aware of it and then more information and more people of that same mindset just hitting you because that happened to me like but well part of it too part of it is that because you're more aware you're actually noticing that the people who are also aware you understand when you're not aware you don't notice them either that there's a bit more life in them there's a bit more you may even hear little bits of conversation and uh, whereas before if you're not awake at all uh, you don't notice them so partly it's because you're still waking up to yourself, you're seeing more and more of them, uh, and again, you'll be more visible too because you can then jump in and, rep- and, and join the conversation as well. So that, that works that way. But there's definitely a, a part of It's like motivational courses where you can motivate yourself. That's really the name for it. You're motivating yourself to, to always be aware, to, to try and promote information that you have. Uh, and, uh, and and it does work that way. It certainly will work that way, you know. This isn't a magical thing in itself, but it's... It's uh, crazy. Like, one day I was actually with a friend of mine, and we were going to um, actually do, like, a charity event, just hand out some gifts to some kids, right? Yeah. And we're walking, and out of the blue, there was a guy out on the corner that just was, was doing stuff, and this is a guy that I was I'm actually involved with some activism with. And the, the guy that was on the corner just out the blue just said, keep spreading the truth, bro. Let's keep spreading the truth. And I was like, yeah. we just looked at each other like, what, <laughs> you don't even know like what we what we about or what we do or anything. But it's just like, yeah. you just get that, that, that just, you know what I'm saying, gravitates around you, basically. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, 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 and it's so, you know, it's so great to... You got a big old radio show and you talk to people from all over the world. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, so, and, and but it is though for people who are living in a a desert to hear someone else say, say just say a few words about it, it, it really brightens up their day. It's, it's water in the desert for them, sure. But thanks for calling, and we will to Alex after this break. Back in a few moments. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and we've got Alex from Victoria, BC, hanging on the line. You there, Alex? I'm here. How are you? Not too bad at all. Hope you're having as good a New Year's be under the circumstances. Yeah, well, I've got uh, uh, between 10 and, and 15, sometimes 20 below freezing or zero. That's in the Fahrenheit scale at the moment. So uh, at, least, at least I can keep warm inside. Yeah. Right. We're having, uh, we have electric heat here. I guess we've got a water system. Um, and we've got a boiler. And, um, we've been waking up with extremely sore throats. They're dry, covered in spots. I actually have some kind of things that feel like toothbrush bristles sticking out of the roof of my mouth sometimes. And, yep. um, we were wondering what was causing it. Maybe it was just too dry or something at first, but it's been going on four months. And I've noticed after considerable, uh, study, that when we wake up, like we listened to Werner and we got under the blankets when it was happening and it actually sort of resolved mm-hmm. somewhat. He was saying there's a possibility the air is being changed into nitrogen mm-hmm. and through directed energy or something, right? 
So it, it is known, for the listeners who are not aware, but it's known that in British Columbia is a big test area for lots of uh, these technotronic weapons, for those who wonder what we're talking about. But it is a big test area uh, uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good point. Um, so I, I noticed when uh, this stuff was happening to me um, that there was a, seemed to be a spike in the current going through the electrical system and that... Um, when uh, when our throats were dry and sore and stuff, I got up and I turned on the light with the ball- the fluorescent light with ballast, mm-hmm. and it made one hell of a racket. Whereas when it's not happening, which is when we're out of bed, all of us are up using computers and you know doing normal things, that that uh, spike in current isn't there. Um, yeah. We measured it, and a safe level would be 50, and sometimes it's as high as six, 1600. Uh-huh. So uh, it's quite bizarre, um, and it seems to me. That this stuff is uh, acting in concert with what might be a binary uh, weapon system, which we're breathing in through the weaponized aerosol, which they're spraying all over uh, Sectoria here yeah. on Guinea Pig Island in Vancouver, British Columbia, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do know that the the spraying is very heavy out there because even uh, airline pilots have told me that uh, same thing too. That the BC is heavily heavily sprayed. Other other areas get it too heavily, but they really seem to pick that area for some reason there. And um, and again, there's military bases out there too, U.S. and Canadian, and they do test a lot of stuff out in that area. The odd thing is too with the new electronics that are in as well with smart meters and all your so-called uh, energy-saving bulbs, which actually give off radio signals because you put a radio up next to them, the signal just goes on the, on the radio. But, uh, or a meter for that matter. And, and it, it gets spikes, just like microwave, you see it spiking on your meter. So these things, in a sense, are all working in concert with each other, and it could possibly be part of the technotronic system that Brzezinski and others have talked about. So uh, I don't doubt there's more going on than meets the eye. But in the winter, regardless, I, I always put a, uh, a pot of water on the wood stove, and that keeps uh, enough moisture in the air to try and, and, and uh, to keep most of the static down. Lots, lots of static otherwise, and you do get sore throats. So, so rule that out first, and then see what happens. Yeah, we have three smart meters ten feet from my bed, just in the. Oh, you, that, you shouldn't have that. <laughs> you should. You, you got to screen that off. You got to screen that off from yourself, and just use uh, the, the mosquito mesh, three layers of it, in fact, behind the meter, uh, and try and screen that stuff off. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's really bad for you. Uh, and Ryan from Ontario, maybe you can call tomorrow. Sorry, I couldn't get to you. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.